Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned into episode number 271 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we have a full cast of characters tonight. So, yay. I'm Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl, W5MO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. Sweet. The gang is all here, unlike last week. Sorry, <laughs> I had a house to clean. I had company coming. Yeah, now company's gone and everything's back to normal and we're all happy again. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, but with that said, we might as well just kind of jump right into it for this week. And this is our short topic episode, as we had our long topic last week about trusted QSL and logbook of the world. And we'll have another long format episode for next week. We haven't figured out the topic yet, but it will be something interesting, I'm sure. Maybe something to do with DMR. We don't talk about DMR a lot. Maybe we'll try and put something together about that. We'll see. But in the meantime, we've got some amateur radio topics to talk about, some open source topics to talk about. We're going to mash them all together in the Linux in the Ham Shack segment. And uh, then we'll go about the rest of our lives, I guess. Hopefully providing a little more information for the rest of you. So, Bill, you want to do this first one about Eris? Yeah, sure. I can do that. Yeah, the Eris announces phase two selections for the second half of 2019. The Eris US team, uh, amateur radio on the International Space Station, is pleased to announce schools or organizations submitted pr- submitting proposals have been selected to advance to the next stage of planning to host amateur radio contacts from July to December 2019. The contacts will be with the International Space Station crew members using the Eris equipment on the ISS. Review view, uh, sorry, review team of teachers from the uh, Eris U.S. Education Committee selected proposals after recent proposal window closed. The groups will be going forward to phase two and developing an amateur radio equipment plan to host a scheduled Eris contact. And uh, we got quite a few listed here. And of course, the big one for me is the 24th World Scout Jamboree in West Virginia. So uh, I'll be part of that one. Uh, but we got a bunch of other ones here. We got a bunch of schools. We got so Council Rock High School in uh, Pennsylvania. We got a, uh, another school in Idaho, Utah, California, Virginia, Texas, California, California. A lot of Californias here. Uh, Michigan, uh, Traverse Area District Library. It's good to see some libraries on here as well. Uh, the University of Colorado Amateur Radio Club in Boulder. Uh, they'll also be on there. And uh, oh, look, one in Missouri, too. Woodridge Middle School in uh, High Ridge, Missouri. So I'm congrats. trying to figure out where that's at. Yeah, because yeah. I have no idea where High Ridge is. It's probably like suburban St. Louis or something would be my guess. Yeah, so these uh, they take tons and tons and tons of applications, and this is what was selected for a six-month period. So uh, so it's pretty cool to get, uh, get selected in that for our... Uh, our efforts there at the uh, NA1WJ uh, uh, station um, at the summit this summer. So we're uh, we're all attending uh, conference calls here in the next uh, week or two to kind of 
get introduced and stuff like that to uh, the process and uh, everything else that we'll need. And we'll be working on that phase two and uh, be, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do. <laughs> Very good. And it just so happens that the 24th World Scout Jamboree started with a number. So it was at the top of the list. I, I bet you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all alphabetical. I didn't sort it. So Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. That's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun. And we'll have a we'll have a pair of the those IC ninety seven hundreds, those brand new ones, uh over there as well. I don't know if we'll use them. We'll see. <laughs> last time uh the timing put the uh um the last time we tried to apply for one, the timing put this ISS somewhere where we couldn't use the actual radios in West Virginia to do it. But uh, I haven't seen the plan yet on this. So that, that'll be also interesting because sometimes you have to do it either via, um, you know, a, a, a voice call basically to radio <laughs> um, or direct to radio. So we'll, we'll see what that comes up uh, as soon as we get more information. All right, cool. So anything to do with Arius is always interesting. And uh, satellite communications always fun time, and you can do it with little to no infrastructure. So get out there and contact some satellites. So next on the docket, we have uh, some DMR topics, and well, a DMR topic anyway. And this is about Keynote, which is an Android app for doing DMR, or at least connecting to a DMR reflector without actually having any sort of real DMR equipment. Uh, the latest version is stable; it's one point five point one. And it's still officially listed as unreleased in the Play Store. And this app is for ham radio operators only. You must be a licensed person in order to access the network. And with the Peanut client, you can connect to the Peanut server. MR Reflector, where you can meet people. Some are connected to D-Star and Fusion and other DMR reflectors. And uh, Bill has actually had the opportunity to use this. He made a contact with another amateur radio operator. So you want to tell us a little bit about your fun time exploring Peanut? Yeah. So I, I, I kind of, someone sent me a note about it and that I should take a look at it. And so I installed it and uh, sent out uh, my request for my little ID so I could log in. And I finally got that. That was a real quick process. The uh, I guess the author just responds back with the number. That's PA7LIM. And, uh, so, so I got on there and I, I really didn't mess with it. And then, uh, KD2PPG here in the, in the Discord channel, uh, he, he came out and mentioned it to me and said, you should get on there and get on the reflector or something. <laughs> one of the reflectors, I forget which one. I'd have to connect my phone to go see. And, uh, it was the middle of the day and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll connect to it. And I'm like, oh, I don't hear anything. It's quiet. And then I, then he put his call out there. And so, uh, so I called him and then we basically had a little QSO on the, uh, on a, I guess a DMR reflector, uh, that's, uh, attached to peanut. So, uh, it worked. It was kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I, I wouldn't leave it on all the time. I was actually looking to install it inside of, uh, like, uh, you know, an emulator so I can have it on a computer because <laughs> it's only an Android app. And I obviously don't want to burn my phone up the whole day with it on or anything else like that. But definitely there's a lot of activity. There's some really cool uh, um, uh, tools that they got hooked up to it. They have a, a dashboard that you can go check out and you can see everybody who's connected to uh, Peanut. And then you can also see um, like which reflector they're on and which version of the software they're running. So uh, it looks pretty cool. And uh it's uh it's not an open source project as far as I can see. I don't see the software 
anywhere set up for it. Um, the uh, David uh, PA seven LIM, the author, says he's basically doing it for uh, for his own interests. So uh, so yeah. So I don't know what kind of license that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the me, me 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 license. The me 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 license, but I'm going to share with you. So it's a freeware type license for now. And um, I don't modified, know. Looks, modified beerware. <laughs> yeah, modified beerware. Yeah, he does have a you know a, a donate button and stuff like that on the website, and I'm sure he'd appreciate some help if you actually use the application. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's, it looks pretty neat. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not much of a a repeater guy anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was okay. It was cool. Whatever you know. I guess as you go back and rephrase what I said originally, I said it was uh dmr and it's not really dmr it's a way to connect using non-dmr hardware to a dmr reflector right right yeah yeah it's its own thing it's not it's not actually dmr what what it's doing no no it's a gateway basically it's allowing you to gateway into various systems um a few there's like three or four d star channels that are listed in there and then a bunch of dmr uh, reflectors that are in there that are cross connected and and then they're also bridged. Uh, there's several of them on big networks and stuff like that. Uh, one with the, uh, uh, I'm going to forget it now. The Digi, Digi something, Digi, oh God, Digi. <laughs> <laughs> the Digi, first he's not here. Uh, Digicom Cafe. Oh, there it is. I knew I'd find it in my history if I typed enough and mumbled enough in the microphone. <laughs> yeah, the Digi Digicom Cafe. Uh one of the one of the ones I connected to was part of that uh network of uh stations. So or or I guess DMR stuff. I don't know. I I'm not I'm not an expert on it, so <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm not using the right terminology for your nodes and stuff like that. Um but uh, yeah, so uh yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh if you're into that kind of stuff, it uh, is definitely a a, a a pretty growing part of the hobby. I hear a lot of good things about DMR and, and all the people on it and stuff like that. So, all right. Very cool. So next, I think we have one that Cheryl can probably read. I don't think there's anything specific here to the way it's written or anything like that. So uh, we'll let her go ahead and do this one. And it's even got like other like words from other languages. So it's right up your alley. Yeah. I was afraid <laughs> you're going to stick me with this one. So, Well, we've each done one. So it's, it's down to you. Did you do one? I yes, I did. did. One. One? I, I just did the last one. Did you do one? Bill just kind of usurped it there at the end. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> well, fine, you can do half of it. Let Bill do the other half. It's you know that's the way it goes. Right? Yeah, I'll do the side oh, okay, there. On this great, one. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so February fourteenth is Zile. It's Hale. I'm not exactly sure how that's pronounced. Uh, to teleport inauguration day. Thursday, February 14th is Teleport Inauguration Day in Qatar, celebrating the opening of the new Asail Sat uh, Teleport, an official opening of Asail 2, which carries the final, or the, excuse me, first geostationary amateur radio payload, a German P4A package. Asail 2 launched last November from Cape Canaveral. The two amateur radio transponders on board, what's now known as KTAR OSCAR 100, will also be made available on February 14th for general operation by radio amateurs within QO100's footprint. In seeing the opening ceremony will be Qatar's former Deputy Prime Minister, Abdullah bin Hamad al-Atira, A71AU, 
who chairs the KTAR Amateur Radio Society, QARS, and is a satellite patron. And as an apology to the people who live in Cotter. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, the only reason I know that is because when I was growing up, I was really big into geography. And when I was taking sixth grade geography, it was called Qatar. That was how you, at least us here in the United States, were, were supposed to pronounce that. And then I heard somewhere along the line that they changed to Cotter, kind of like Welcome Back Cotter. Right. And apparently, I, I assuming that's still the current definition. If there's somebody listening from Cotter, you know, feel free to correct me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard it called just about everything. everything. Cotter, right. Cotter, Cotter. Yeah, well, I've heard it always um, called Qatar. So yeah. So anyway, Bill, what's the side note that you stuck in here? So the side note is is that people are actually trying to use ESHL uh, two and. Uh, uh, they're basically uh there was a there was a good discussion on twitter and there's a bunch of announcements that says please do not transmit through the satellite until authorized which obviously won't be until february 14th um and uh you know it is like a, a digital a digital package so you every time you key up it sends your call sign which means they can log it so just so you know if you're under the footprint, <laughs> it wouldn't be really appropriate to key your uh, digital radio in such a manner as it goes through the satellite. So uh, take that into note. At least not until Valentine's Day. Yes, yes, yes. And after you've spent your money for the day or whatever. <laughs> you know. Is that, is that uh, February 14th in Cotter or February 14th here? Or? Well, well, it doesn't matter. We there. can't get it from here. So, Oh, what's the footprint? Did you look and see how it's it worked? Uh, it's the, it's over like, uh, the, that, that side of the earth, not, not us. <laughs> okay. So if you're in the middle East, you can try this. <laughs> it ain't in the U S yeah. I think what? Europe can hit it too. No, it's a, it's a huge footprint, but it's just, yeah, I don't think it goes out very far out into the Atlantic and, uh, yeah, yeah, it would, I don't think it, it goes that far. All right. Fair enough. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at the footprint, but I'm pretty certain that it's yeah, Europe can hit it. Parts of Europe can hit it. And, uh, you know, obviously put a circle around Qatar and that, that'll be it. <laughs> right. Yeah. A big circle. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very cool. So that is the sum total of our amateur radio topics for tonight, at least the solo amateur radio topics. So we're going to move into the world of open source now in our open source segment. And uh, let's see, I'll get the second one there because I'm pretty sure I can handle that one. So Bill, uh, hit us with the first one. Now, you know, I was, I was really stretching to find some topics um, that weren't just about software, so or like not about specific software sources and stuff like that. But uh, this comes to us from the Linux Journal. Uh, if software is funded from a public source, its code should be open source. Perhaps because many free open open uh, free. Sorry, let me start that. Perhaps because many free software coders have been uh, outsiders and rebels. Less attention is paid to the use of open source in government departments than in other contexts. But it's important. It's an important battleground, not least because there are special dynamics at play and lots of good reasons to require open source software. It's an unfortunate that most famous attempt to convert a government IT system from proprietary code to open source is the city of Munich uh, proved uh, such as such a difficult experience. And uh, this goes on and on and on about that topic. But it was a it was a interesting, at least. Uh, you know, it was at least an interesting topic that, yeah, if, if a source of software is funded from a public source, the software should be open source. 
And I believe this is what we just talked about, uh, what, uh, a couple months ago with the Canadian uh, um, decree, not decree. I'm trying to think what it was. It was there basically if it's, uh, it's going to be funded, it's going to be open source. Are you with me? I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> it was just really quiet. Uh, I, I was thinking about another way this go. So go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, and and of course we have the uh, the uh, government has uh, our government of course has their website as well with all the open sources of not only uh, software but also data uh, that you can access. And uh, I think it's a I think it's a good program. Uh, the 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 pro- the project that they mentioned here was uh, was a big conversion that that the city of Munich did. And I'm I'm almost, I'm not even certain that this is real at this point because it's gone back and forth so many times. But the city of Munich went from a Windows shop and an office shop to a Linux shop and a Libra office shop and then back again and then back and then back. No, <laughs> I don't know how many times, but like this story has been making the rounds for like what the last six years, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. In some um, form or another for sure. And I definitely remember the German stuff because there was a, a big push there in a lot of the German cities to move to open source. And then I know that some of them had kind of flipped back. So yeah. So, but no, I think, I think the idea is probably at least it sounds good. If you're going to develop something in house, you know, it should be, it should be open source. Just makes sense. If it's publicly funded. Absolutely. But that sort of led me to thinking about stuff like Kickstarter and crowdfunding. Do you consider that public funding or private funding? Well, if the government puts money into a Kickstarter, then yeah, it would be a public. <laughs> okay. Well, are you specifically <laughs> c- counting the government as public money and nothing else? Is that what I'm yes. saying? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. I think if the government is putting, you know, if, if it's your money because your money is what funds the government, if the government is then turning around and funding a project because they're using your money, then absolutely there should be full transparency, including open source. Win-win. Yep. Can't argue with that. <laughs> if someone wants to argue with that, let us know. Yeah. And I'm not even sure why they even mentioned the city of Munich anyway in the story because that was not that wasn't really in relation to developing software. Right. So, yeah. Poo poo on my external. <laughs> so much for grabbing a story from them. Jeez. Yeah. I'm reminded of the leprechaun on family guy. <laughs> I can't do the voice, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, public funded software should be open source. Want to fight about it? <laughs> nice. It's, it goes something like that. I'm sure something that like wasn't that. even close, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, Sony Pictures is open source software used to make the Into the Spider-Verse film. Uh, Imageworks has contributed a software tool used to create movies like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Hotel Transylvania 3, Alice in Wonderland, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs to the open source community. OpenColor.io, a tool used for color management during the production process, has become the second software project of the Academy Software Foundation, an industry-wide open source association spearheaded by the Linux Foundation. Hey, that's pretty cool. I know there's a lot of like animation and uh, colorization and, uh, you know, cartooning tools and all kinds of stuff like that being brought into the open source world. And that's great for people who want to be able to do, you know, animations and stuff. So, so you're not like beholden to Adobe Creative Suite. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I guess the other big project that they have, uh, at least on their site, is uh, the Open VDB project which is a Academy Award-winning open-source C++ library com- 
comprising a novel hierarchical data structure and suite of tools for efficient storage and manipulation of sparse volumetric data. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a great project because words yep. yeah they got lots and lots of words on there they got lots of marketing speak in there absolutely yeah so yeah check out the uh their website the aswf the academy software foundation all right that's pretty cool i do like seeing tools whatever the genre being released into the open source anything that's being made available and you know, getting the community involved and allowing them to improve uh, and make more transparent any of the software that's out there, always a good thing. Back to the previous story, win-win. Yeah, yeah, yep. I have some news regarding the uh, teleport inauguration day. Okay. Uh, apparently, most of Europe will be covered in some way because there's an observatory in Germany that's doing reception and transmission. Um there's uh sardinia island in italy will be doing it cornwall united kingdom will be you know running stuff too and apparently you can get on doing web sdr so it's open to everybody i'm assuming well web sdr is received side so yeah right. you can certainly hear it that way very yeah cool. can monitor the proceeding using web sdr um the British Amateur Television Club will operate a web DSCR, we excuse me, web SDR for narrow band, spectrum viewer for wide band, um, hosting at the facility, uh, Goon Hilly Earth Station, hosting at the facility in Cornwall, UK, uh, web DSDR receiver on Sardinia Island in Italy. And it says that, um, a ground station at the, uh, Bochum Observatory in Germany. Will be reception doing reception and transmission. Okay. Well, Bill posted a a picture of the footprint or a graph of the footprint in the Discord, and it looks like it's centered over what is that Zaire, um, in Africa, and it covers almost, if not all of Europe, um, a lot of Western Asia, all of Africa, uh, parts of Eastern South America. So like Brazil and Uruguay and maybe a little bit of Argentina are in there. Um, it just misses Greenland. I think they did that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> it's like right on the border. The half a ham that's up there, right? Right. <laughs> uh, it does cover all of India and um, yeah, almost into like Laos and not quite Thailand. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. And by the way, that that graph will actually make all the flat Earth Earthers happy because it makes it look like the Earth is flat. So. The Earth is flat. It is flat. <laughs> yeah, I I listen to too much of that crap every day, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, all right, very cool. So yeah, that's that's a pretty good size footprint. So that's that uh, that satellite must be up there a fair fair way. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's in geostationary orbit, so it's got to be away right. from yeah. the low Earth orbit trash. Yep. All right. Very cool. I know that 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 country in Central Africa there that is um, that it's centered on. That's pretty sure that Zaire. Now, now I really want to look because maybe Zaire is not even a country anymore, <laughs> or is that maybe like Botswana? It's one of yeah. those. Anyway, Cheryl will figure due it out. Due west for us. of. Uh, I am. What? 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 Am I doing that? No. I'll, well, I can do it. It doesn't matter. I'm the one who's the. It's due west of Kenya. It looks like it's over the DRC. The, oh, the Congo? Uh, no, I don't yep. think that's where the Congo is. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fine. I'm going to look it up myself just because I don't believe any of you. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't say anything and he doesn't believe me. So, you know, there you go. That's right. I just by default don't believe you. So. All right. Uh, Cheryl, you can handle this last one about KBOIQ. KB0 IQ. KB1 OIQ. Damn it. <laughs> Are you done yet? I'm done. Yeah. Okay. K- KB3 OIQ. I can just throw random numbers in there if you want. KB Infinity OIQ. ABC123. <laughs> just read the story. <laughs> Wait, where are we at now? Um, are we not moving on to. Um, uh, well, I, are we skipping that? No, next we're not one? skipping that, but I just want, didn't want Bill to do two things in a row. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, because oh, oh, we're switching well, segments, though. We did want to. Yeah, we're, we're switching like, to the Linux and the Hamshack segment now. Well, that's true, but Bill's going to have to do this one. All right. Fine, Bill. Do this one since you want to talk about it so bad. Well, I, Which one? No. no. <laughs> the no. first one. NixOS. Oh, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's fine. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, talk about NixOS. Okay, I'll talk about NixOS while he Google Maps everything. Yeah, while anyway. I figure out what country that is in Africa. <laughs> DRC. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. If it, if it's DRC, I will definitely admit to it. Absolutely. Okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, ETU, uh, which I have no idea who it is, in the IRC <laughs> chat room, uh, was talking about NixOS the other day, and. Uh, he was asking about software he could put on there or software packages he should have for amateur radio. And of course we pointed him to the, uh, to the ham radio pure blend as a, as a good, a generic list of packages that, you know, if you're going to cover amateur radio packages. You know, that's a good, good, good blueprint list to kind of base it off of, but uh, it kind of got me interested in Nix OS here. Cause I really haven't heard of it before. So uh, let's tell you a little bit about it. And I took it for a drive and here we go. NixOS has a, com- has a completely declarative approach to configuration management. You write a specification of a desired configuration of your system in NixOS's NixOS <laughs> modular language and NixOS takes care of the rest, making it happen. The uh, NixOS has an atomic upgrades and rollbacks. It also has a safe to try and upgrade or configuration change. If things go wrong, you can always roll back to a previous configuration. Declarative specs and safe upgrades makes Nick, NixOS a great system for DevOps use. NixOps, the uh, NixOS cloud deployment tool, allows you to provision and manage networks of the NixOS machines in environments like uh, Amazon EC2 and VirtualBox. Well, I uh, I downloaded this uh, fancy thing and uh, used the live disk and went into VirtualBox and checked it all out. And, uh, saw that he had, uh, he, he posted the list of the, uh, packages that he already found and he reorganized them. So they're in a, in a radio, um, package list on GitHub. And so, uh, first one I installed, I installed a WSJTX and, uh, realized I didn't have any audio drivers or sound system at all, which I thought was kind of strange for a live disc. Um, so I go searching for pulse and of course pulse isn't even installed. And, uh, other stuff ensued from there, but, <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about the software that it does, uh, it does already have, uh, in packages. So, uh, if you want to give this one a try, it does have FL Digi, uh, does have WSJTX. It has some, uh, SDR tools like AirSpy, has the RTL drivers, has the, uh, um, the soapy, uh, packages for, uh, the Blade RF, Hack RF, and, uh, um, uh, has Xlog. It does not have CQR log, 
or any other logger besides oh I just get does have TLF as well. Um but uh let's just say I did have some problems with it and the installation uh instructions kind of reminds me a little bit of Arch <laughs> or LFS. No. <laughs> um you know I can't really give this a really good score only because I, if, you know, if the user has to follow those instructions to do an installation, um, it's not really a, a good OS for just getting off the ground and starting. It does have capabilities and it does look like it's, you know, very powerful and very uh, thoughtful in design and everything else for a distribution. But um, I think, I think I'm going to have to uh, give this a 2.9 for a readiness score only because the installation is um, very cumbersome. Um, once I got used to the packaging system and installing stuff, it, it sort of seemed easier. Um, there's a little bit of a learning curve there, but of course not all the packages are there that, that you can find in a lot of the other distributions. Um, even if you want to do arch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you could at least install a you know gazillion packages out of the AUR repo. So um yeah, I, I you know, it's 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 neat and it came with the plasma and the live desk and the live disk. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of plasma either. Um I'm sure that didn't help, but uh but yeah, it just seemed to be lacking. It just just didn't feel just didn't feel quite uh no polish quite ready for uh yeah, for LHS, you right. know, not for us. <laughs> you know, if I was going to recommend something for somebody switching or something like that, that definitely wouldn't be at the top of my list. I gotcha. Uh, much like Arch wouldn't be at the top of my list. Much like Gen 2 wouldn't be at the top of my list. You know, if you want to get somebody into a system and get it easy and, and make that transition into finding, you know, easily finding software for what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what we're looking for, for that readiness score. So. I think it. I think it could be there. It just, you know, build an installer for the thing, and um, yeah, the live disk should support sound out of the box. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I get from the conversation that was going on in Discord that uh, Et two or E two or whatever was like a package maintainer for NixOS? You know, I'm not sure. I didn't research it beyond that discussion. Um, I'm assuming that he probably is because he reorganized. He said he reorganized those packages <laughs> into the list. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's actually a committer here on that uh, that commit. Uh, let me see if I can bring up his profile. Yeah, so his name is Ellis Hearing Hearing. Uh, probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, dude. Uh, he's out of uh, Sweden, so uh, he's in Stockholm. And let me see if I can find like if he has a. Ham radio call sign. I don't think so. Um, oh, yeah, he does. Uh, Sierra Alpha Zero Bravo Sugar Echo. So SA Zero BSE. Um, so awesome. So he's a ham and uh, obviously uh, likes likes this Nix OS system. <laughs> um, yeah, build an installer for it. Maybe, uh, maybe we can get it off the ground here for the ham radio community. Yeah, he's going to come back and say, why don't you build an installer for it? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ubuntu installs fine on every system I put it on. <laughs> Same with me. It's funny how that works. It's actually pretty slick yeah. how that how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. These guys like, the you know, them and uh, OpenSUSE have done an excellent job in 
you know, making installers and, you know, you don't have to even think about it anymore <laughs> too much. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, when I have to do mounting and cop, yeah, I was like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that crap anymore. Why do we have to do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, it, it is pretty thoughtful design. And if I really cared about that much on top of everything else, I mean, it, it's definitely a, it's definitely an interesting distribution. And, uh, I mean, you, you could try it. What the heck? It's, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, a 2.9 is hardly the lowest score you've ever given. So <laughs> no, no, no. I think Solus even got under that just because of package availability. And <clears throat> I think Antergos like ate my lunch a couple of times. So. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, we'll let Cheryl read the last story we've got here in Linux in the Hamshack world, and then, of course, Bill, you'll have to jump in and give us your impression of it. But um, KB10IQ has released a new distribution, so tell us all about it. Yes, KB10IQ releases a new version of Andy's Linux. This is a remastered version of Ubuntu. Version 22 is a 64-bit, excuse me, 64-bit version that's based on Ubuntu 18.04. There's no 32-bit version of this release. This version contains a lot of amateur radio software, including FL Digi, NBEMS, uh, GPredict, EarthTrack, uh, XCWCP, QRQ, XLog, CQR Log, FL Rig, GRig. I'm not going to name all these off. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because I would be here for the rest of the night. In other words, it's just got a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> so uh, the software collection uses the IceWM window manager with menus customized for amateur radio use. It's designed to be lightweight to run old on older computers while still having modern functionality. All right. It doesn't have the entire ham radio you know, lexicon in there. Um, and of course... You could install the, um, you know, pure blend meta packages because it's Ubuntu 1804. So, um, it, it could have everything. It just doesn't have everything by default. So, Bill, what are your impressions? Well, it looks like the pure blend packages are in there. So it does have everything from that, that list. So, I mean, comprehensive wise, it, it has all the software. Does it run, in, um, ham radio deluxe? That's what everyone wants yeah. to know. <laughs> it doesn't run ham radio. Uh, no. <laughs> I was, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> it, uh, it does not. And by the um, way, the distribution gets an automatic 0.5 if it doesn't run HRD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're sorry, folks. It does not run HRD. No. Um, you know, if I were to, like, have our build and this build, like side by side, nobody would choose this build because it just looks like ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is you it know, because of the like the backdrops and the ISWM and all that? I put a screenshot in the uh, in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, if you want to give somebody something that looks like Windows 95 or like Windows 311 for work groups, this would be great. <laughs> But like Linux doesn't have to look like ass anymore. We are way beyond that. Well, I think the choice of IceWM was obviously for the low resource, you know. We're talking 64-bit only now. There's no low resource that you couldn't run, you know, a simple GNOME or a simple Mate or even, you know, LXDE or, <laughs> or XFCE. <laughs> 
I will make the case um, in Andy's defense that even on systems that have higher resources, some desktop environments are still faster. And ICWM is going to be one of those because there's very little overhead with it because it looks like ass. But, you know, <laughs> so there there is the trade-off. But if you want something that's going to be fast, you know, it's going to look like crap. Because if you want pretty and compositing and graphic intensive and all that kind of stuff, then you're going to have to have a high-powered machine anyway uh, to get that look and feel that you want. So I don't know. I mean, you really don't. It runs fine on a freaking little pie. What runs fine on a little pie? Our distribution. Even Monte. Monte runs fine on a pie. Monte runs fine on it? Okay. Yeah, I had my Odroid well, there, and it maybe, was running Maybe this fine. is your chance to appeal to Andy to say, hey, drop this ISWM <laughs> crap and just switch over to Monte. Just make it sexy. That's all I'm saying. God, you know, <laughs> you lose points because it's not sexy enough. I mean, of course, he's not listening to the show anymore. So <laughs> no, absolutely not. Probably not. not after today. Anyway, so if you um, do happen to try this, if you do happen to try it, apparently he screwed up the build. So the password is not nothing. It's actually his is his call sign. So where it tells you in the instructions to uh, type in the username Ubuntu and the password is nothing and press enter. Uh, it's actually password is KB zero, whatever KB, KB one OIQ, all lowercase. That is the password to get into the live distribution. Did you guess that or is it in, uh, uh it was actually, it, somebody somewhere. put in a note, uh, on, okay. the, on the website and somebody asked us, asked that same question in Linux ham, uh, uh, mailing list. So I basically answered it at the, in the mailing list and then added it to my notes here. Um, but yeah, so if you try it out, yeah close your eyes no just kidding <laughs> um yeah it could use a little polish try it in uh, braille mode and see how it is yeah i think the menuing is great <laughs> he's got everything set up right it's just it's just ugly it's just horrible uh yeah there's just no reason for that and there's not a system i don't i can't even imagine wouldn't run mate or something like that you know not, not a 64-bit system yeah yeah not a 64-bit system no I mean, yeah, it should even run fine on even 32-bit junkers. I bet you Mate runs fine. But uh, anyway, yeah, beyond that, I mean, all the software is there. I had it up in a VM a little while ago, and uh, everything seemed to work, although I think uh, GQRX uh, crashed on me. Um, and what else didn't pop up? Uh, it was one of the other SDR apps. So... There looked to be something crashing in the background there. So I didn't dig into it much further than that, but I'm going to give it a 4.4 for, you know, giving it a good old try and, and being all Linux and hammy already <laughs> <laughs> and at least rebasing it on 1804. So, so yeah. you know, it's definitely going to have some staying power and being able to get it going. And then someone could put a real, you know, to go ahead and install a <laughs> real desktop. So the only real issue is, Right, the DE is the only the only issue. I mean, it's it's perfectly functional hamshack computer. It's just it's it's ugly. Yeah, and I didn't try the actual installing what that process was like. Um, I'm assuming it just uses the Ubuntu installer, but I, I didn't know if everything carries over, and you know where ours actually installs all the same stuff, but it's not you know it doesn't interfere. Like I didn't you know there's not a, that level of customization in ours that. You know, it doesn't pretend to be like a, a plain Jane Ubuntu system. 
So I can't comment on that, but for right now I'm going to give it a 4.4. Uh, hopefully he'll put out a new release build without the password issue in there. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there's <laughs> going to be another release here, a 22.2 or something like that, that will address that. And, uh, uh maybe I'll look at it again and, and revise and, and maybe he can earn a five. We'll see. I mean, we're definitely looking forward to the, you know, 18.10 Mate version. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's a statement, not a question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So that has brought us down to the end of our short topics for this week. And that means we're rolling on to the social media roundup. So who's yes, uh, part of the program this week? Well, this week for our Patreons, we have David Jaquay, Doug Rutter, Stephen Harp, Andy Webster, Pete Caffrey, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, Donald Gever, John Spriggs, Jonas Rulo, Paul Griffith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, and William Heckelman. For subscriptions, we have Kevin Ivey, Bill Collins, Tony Coberly, James Lewis, Jeff Zimmerman, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Steve Nichols, Todd Bowers, Thor Wiegman, Charlie Brown, Wayne Carpenter, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Dylan Angle, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Ronald Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Cunley, and Jeremy Hall. On Facebook, we have Levi Moore and Steve Lee like our page. For Twitter, we have at SmartVHF and at Boris uh, Nimsevic. On YouTube, we have Brian Gamble, Derek Downs, Louis uh, excuse me, Dean Simmer, and Mark Crowley. Nobody joined our mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales this week. All right. Very good. Well, that's our social media roundup tonight, and we want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack and everybody who's uh, been a part of the, the program in some way and donated or just uh, you know retweeted our tweets and whatever else that goes on out there. And we do have our Linux in the Ham Shack uh, fund over at GoFundMe for Hamvention. We definitely need the help to get to Ham Luncheon again in 2019, which runs from the 16th through the 18th of May. And we hope to see everybody out there. Uh, the URL is url.bcts.info slash hvc2019. So if you can donate, please do. If you can't, just share it out there. And I know we'll reach our funding goal. So thanks to everybody for listening once again. And we'll wrap it up for this episode, number 271 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. 
Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license